my name is Trip Gorman, and in this episode of SME VC, I sit down with Alejandro Gonzalez, managing partner at Redwood Ventures, an early stage fund based in Guadalajara, and a managing partner at Santa Terra Capital, a global fund investing in emerging companies in the food and beverage industry, with a particular focus on those seeking to dominate the U.S. market. In this episode of SME VC, we discussed what Redwood Ventures does differently, Redwood's investment in Siri, why he co-created Santantera Capital to capitalize on the future of innovation in the food and beverage industry, and much, much more. We discussed all of this and more in this episode of Samia VC. Okay, Alejandro, could you start by telling the audience a bit more about your work history up to and including your current role at Redwood Ventures? Sure. Um, so um, I'm a finance guy, so I studied finance, um, and then I... Um, made uh, a specialization in management of financial institutions and also certified as a um, derivatives broker for the Chicago Board of Change. So um, that's that's basically my, uh, my background. I also have a um, diploma in justice from Harvard and that's like my, my uh, academic background. And um, so I ended up in venture capital because a few years ago, well, not a few, uh, more than 20 years ago now, uh, I started um, I, my, my company and then sold my company. And um, I went to the USA to study for a while. And when I came back, a teacher from, from, uh, from the university um, was starting a venture capital fund to bring Mexicans to invest in Silicon Valley. And uh, he invited me to join. Uh, I met him during the, the, uh, the sale of my other company. So um, he invited me to join in the process of, you know, like starting a VC fund funded by Mexicans to invest in, you know, this uh, wave of Silicon Valley uh, trends and everything. Uh, so we started fundraising for that capital, venture capital fund. Back then, venture capital in Latin America was nothing. Probably, I don't know, maybe 10 uh, funds in, in, in Mexico, uh, maybe less than 10 funds in Mexico. I remember a few names, uh, but probably half of them uh, are still in business now. So it was very incipient back then. Uh, long story short, we couldn't raise that fund. So we only fundraise uh, like, I don't know, like 20% or 30% of the target. And we ended up uh, partnering with another VC fund from Mexico. Uh, and we took the commitments that we had and invited them to invest in this other fund. And we also invested in that fund as LPs. So my first um, experience in venture capital was an, as, a, as an LP and also as angel investors because um, like I started investing in a few companies that I liked, uh, mostly from Silicon Valley, a couple of companies. One, I had an exit very quick. I invested very small amounts, but I liked the fact that it was interesting. It was new. It was exciting. I could, I could get a little bit involved. But in the end, um, what happened then was that uh, our venture of starting a venture capital fund wasn't really fulfilled. So we started, uh, we started doing investment banking. So we founded a boutique investment banking uh, back in 2013. And um, 
we focus mostly in real estate deals and venture capital deals. Uh, we fundraise for both of them and also like middle market M&As. So uh, as much as I liked it, uh, I really wanted to, you know, go back to the entrepreneurial side. Uh, it was more exciting than real estate for sure um, and more fulfilling than M&As. So um, uh, what, what, what happened is that a few years later, uh, I met my partners at Redwood uh, because they had an accelerator and I was working as a, as the financial advisor for the a little bit more than 100 companies coming out of that accelerator every year. So we were talking and they told me that they wanted to start a venture capital fund to, you know, sort of like have the right capital and financing instruments to support the companies out of that accelerator, which is called the Red Sapopan. Um, and back then, uh, I was like, I tried it. Like, I, I really tried to fundraise a venture capital fund in the past. I think it is too, too difficult. Uh, with Latam LPs, Latam business people are very difficult to convince to invest in other entrepreneurs. And they were like, no, 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 don't worry about it. Like, we already have uh, most of the committed amount. And I was like, really? Yeah, they wanted to fundraise $7 million. They already had five. So uh, we started Redwood Ventures with, with that. Um, we eventually end up fundraising $8 million. And that's, that was Redwood Fund, uh, Fund One. And I joined them. Uh, at the beginning as a fund manager. And then we like uh, invested in 14 companies with that first fund. Then we raised a second fund where we are now um, uh, currently investing. Uh, we have already 15 companies in that second fund, uh, nine investments in, in this year. So uh, almost two investments per month. And that's what we're doing right now. And that's uh, my current position. I really appreciate that background. Thank you so much for that. I want to ask about Redwood Ventures, your guys' thesis, and what you guys do differently. Yeah. So our investment thesis, um, basically what we look for are companies that are building technology that is strong enough to build um, uh, entry barriers for their competitors, either through the complexity of the technology they're building or through the network effects that the technology is able to create. So that's the, the, the criteria for us. We invest in post-seed investments. So normally a company raises series seed and probably then an extension. That's where we come for. We go, 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 uh, like, and and the, like, we can invest in series seed, but normally when there is like a late seed, you know, like with a little bit more traction, our analysis process is very quantitative. So with, we, we take a really deep look at the data uh, in order to analyze if there is product market fit or early signs of a product market fit. And that's how we invest. We invest industry agnostic. And uh, I like the question of what makes us different because what I believe is uh, the main differentiator of Redwood Ventures is that we do not have any institutional LPs because we don't, um, we, like uh, what we do, is that we invest industry agnostic, as I mentioned. So none of us as partners have any like broad experience to, to bring to the table in order to invest and really bring value to those companies. So we partner with our investors, with our LPs, 
to bring that value to the table. So we make a selection of different industries. We have 20 different industries that we that we focus on as a disruptor. And we go to the main companies, the leader companies of those sectors, and, and make like an invitation only uh, it, 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 for, for, for to, to become an LP. So um, that way we can build a very diverse platform of value to bring uh, to the table with the companies of the portfolio. So what makes us different is that we focus on creating synergies between the companies in our portfolio and the companies of our LPs. And we truly believe that that can give an edge at the early stage of a company, uh, specifically in Mexico, where industries have a very uh, unique way of working that is different from other countries and you need to have a network and you need to have connections. So that's what we bring to the table. And that's uh, like probably our core value to the founders. And for the LPs, basically the three partners of, of Redwood used to be LPs in other funds. So what we decided is that we wanted to build a fund that we would like to be an LP of, you know, like, uh, so, so our experience as, as LPs in other funds were not bad experience, but very boring, maybe. Uh, uh, so, so we wanted to make it fun. We wanted to make the LPs involved, actually bring value to the table, connect with the companies in the portfolio, get involved in the decisions, in the due diligence, actually help them. Uh, so, so that's how we work. And everything is very transparent to them. They know how the companies are performing. They can even connect with the founders. We have events every once in a while where we bring everybody to the same place. We have tequila and they uh, talk together. So, so that's, um, that's, I think, the main value for the LPs that it is fun and they learn and they actually get involved in the management of, of, the, of, the, of the fund. Amazing. And, and could you tell us more about the three different funds of Redwood, how they're different, how big they are? Was the thesis different? How, how is the team scale through all that? Tell us all about that. Yeah. So the first fund, we were only four people, um, uh, three partners and an analyst. And um, so that's, that's the scale of that one. That was an $8 million fund invested in 14 companies. That's already done. Like we have invested uh, all the capital of that fund. And then we began Redwood Venture Fund, Fund 2 with a very similar investment thesis, mm. but with larger tickets. So what we learned from the first fund, all the mistakes that we did, we tried to cover in the second fund, which is probably like the legal structure, uh, the, the size of the investments, because we were making this really deep, comprehensive due diligence process. I think most of the, of the, <laughs> the founders that have uh, gone through the process of Redwood uh, can can relate and and, and 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 say like yeah it is a pain in the ass <laughs> but uh, like, but we, we wanted to to keep doing that because that's part of what makes us valuable to the LPs but we wanted to make it work you know so so we uh, we make the tickets four times larger. So, so that uh, in the past we were investing tickets of on average a hundred or hundred and fifty thousand, and now we're averaging six hundred, even seven, like seven hundred thousand uh, dollars, and we can go up to four million dollars in a in a single investment. So that's that's uh, part of the what we what we changed a lot, 
Um, and now in Redwood, we have a team of 18 people uh, in, different, uh, in different areas from marketing, communications, analysis, back office, uh, portfolio management, and so forth. And um, now, like very, very recently, we started a third fund that we operate with a different brand, which is Santa Terra. Uh, we, we wanted to separate brands to be like, to avoid confusion because Santa Terra is a fund that invests in only in, uh, food innovation with, uh, for, for in companies that focus their commercial, uh, goals in the U S so, uh, we can invest in companies from all over the world, as long as they have some, uh, commercial presence in the U S and we want to help them scale there that is a much bigger fund that is a 70 million dollar fund and again the same dna of redwood is in santa terra all the investors are business people from the food sector so we can bring a lot of value to the table through their connections the know-how the know-who um and help them with supply chain distribution um even their, their ingredients that they use for their product, we can help them source it and like a lot of things that we can do for the portfolio. But it's again the same, helping create synergies between the companies in the portfolio and the companies of LP. And can you tell us more about why you guys started Santantera? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we have a, an LP from our first and second fund. Um, we're very happy that all the LPs from the first fund invested again in the second fund and five or six of them invested again in Santa Terra. So, so we're happy to, to have that in place. Um, and one of them told us like, hey, I really love technology. I really love what you're doing, disruption, all these things are crazy, but uh, like, to be honest, what I know how to do is food. Like my company is a food company. That's, this is what I know. This is what I like. Why don't you, why don't you explore making it a fund that is focused on food? And I would likely be the anchor investor for that fund. So we spent, I don't know, like six months uh, on research to understand how that market works, where are the opportunities, where are the, 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 the deal flow, and uh, et cetera. So uh, we ended up with an investment thesis that is that is what, 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 what I just told you, uh, focusing on in food innovation uh, with a market target or, or, or in the US. Um, and there is a lot of reasons why, but basically it's because it is the largest market in the world for food innovation. And it, the, the barriers to enter that industry are way lower than anywhere else. So, uh, for example, we saw that in LATAM, it is a huge market, but it's controlled by very few companies. And in the U.S., you have cases like, for example, I'll tell you one, Body Armor, you know, just acquired by Coca-Cola uh, for, for $25 billion. And, like, that brand, anywhere else, wouldn't be adopted because entering the channel, like, the, the, those distribution channels are very, very hard. My company that I sold that I told you like 12 years ago was a food company. And I remember it was really, really hard to get into a distribution channel because uh, the competition was very unfair. Um, and, and, and in the U.S., you, you, you have a market that is willing to try new products, 
uh, is willing to buy a product because of its value and not only its price. Uh, you don't have like a limited amount of companies control 80, 90% of the shelf. Uh, in, in the United States, you see like really big shelves controlled by an emerging brand. Uh, and you have the, like the, the, all the distribution channels developed for, you know, like uh, nat natural channel, uh, and then you have, uh, for example, uh, only only like um, uh, supplements uh, channel and uh, nutrition channel. So, so you have already distributors working through in, in, in like for those retails and a market that is like probably more educated in terms of what is good for them and also with more uh, like capability of buying those those products so that's why uh yeah and and we started with with one lp that i mentioned and in three or four months we ended up with a 70 million dollar fund uh because what we found is that like i think it is related to the fact of what we mentioned that latam is very controlled by a few companies that are like those few companies are really willing to invest in innovation, but they understand that the market is not probably in LATAM. So our proposition, it, it made a lot of sense for them. So, so, so they wanted to invest in the innovation of the, uh, of the world, in, like through the innovation in the world, focusing their commercial strategies to, to the U.S. And now back to Redwood, I want to ask about your investment in the city. And the only reason I ask is because it was the most recent. And I'm always worried about asking partners about their investments because then the other partner founders get jealous. But we're asking about this one because it was the most recent. So why did you guys invest in them? In city? Oh, well, uh, that's, 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 uh, that's a great question because city, um, city was referred to us by another founder of the portfolio. Uh, which is actually like uh, performing really, really good. So uh, he, he he told us like, hey, I like I have to, I, like I I happen to met uh, to to know these these people building Siri, you know, Felipe, Juan Martin. Um, they are from my hometown in Cali. Uh, we all went to study uh, to school together with the founders from Rappi and the founders like everyone like. That, that's crazy. You, you should dig a little bit into that because the founders of all these really rapidly scaling companies went to the same school in Cali. <laughs> so uh, I don't know what is uh, what, why is that, but I'm thinking about moving to Cali and, you know, like, <laughs> I put, I, I, I'm bringing my, my, my children to study there. <laughs> but um, they all were uh, studying in the same in the, in the, in the same um, in the same school. They they meet each other. Uh, so when when I met Felipe and Juan Martin, I like I was mind blown. Like they are such great founders, such great founders with a great vision, great execution capabilities, uh, focus on economics, everything that we like. You know, like great traction, great economics, uh, great founders, uh, great valuation. So, so um, uh, for us, the, it, it was one of those like uh, almost no brainers uh, in, in terms of we like this company. And when we started digging and analyzing the company, we realized that 
in Latin America, there is a huge need of companies like that, that can make shorter the distribution chains between the brands and the retailers. So there is a lot of uh, markets in Latin uh, that have a lot of distribution in between. So the, 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 like the price that the end, the, the end user pays is probably three or four times the actual cost of the, of the product, uh, it, sometimes even more. So, and, and, and that is not because the product is so valuable. Uh, the, it, this is not an iPhone. I mean, like this is probably makeup or you know, like proteins or, you know, some, some, something like really simple. And the price gets so high because the distribution is so long. So you have the brand which uh, exports the product to an importer and then the importer to a major distributor, the distributor to a minor distributor or a wholesaler, then to a retailer and the retailer, then this is more, uh, for example, the people, the, the, the person that owns a gym or the person that owns a, a beauty salon or something like that, go to the retailer to buy the products and then the end user buy it from the service provider, you know? So, so all that channel, every piece of it takes probably 30 or 40% uh of, of margin so when you add that up it is like huge and there is a lot of inefficiencies because all the logistics because of all the payment methods uh like there is a lot of uh, inefficiencies in between a part of the distribution so um what siri is doing is connecting the brand or the importer to the end of, to the end user and that way they can add more value to the brands and importers or the manufacturers, and also add more value to the companies that distribute the product or sell the product to the final user. And in the end, what ends what ends happening is that everybody wins more, and uh, the, the 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 whole supply chain becomes more efficient in terms of timing. Like you don't have to have a lot of inventories. You don't have to uh, overstock yourself for certain products. Uh, you don't have to guess what's going to be the demand for certain product in three months, in six months, because you can buy faster. So there's a lot of, of efficiencies created by that model. And using technology to do it is just uh, the right way, we believe. And so I want to talk about kind of a macro question. How do you spend your days? So what percent, you know, kind of on average, you look at a month, how, how much are you spending on fundraising? How much are you spending on talking to LPs? How much are you spending talking with portfolio founders, vetting deal? Like to tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It depends on what stage of the fund you are. So right now we're fully deploying capital in, 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 in Redwood. Uh, so right now I would say, my specific time is probably like 30% of my 24 four hours. <laughs> well, I, I sleep like six hours, but uh, like 30% of the work time uh, a, for, for deal sourcing. So going to the Modes, visiting some city, creating like having events or like uh, going to an expo or something like that. 
So uh, basically, it's networking, building connections, and uh, getting to you know like meet new exciting companies. Then like fifty percent of the time is analyzing the companies, which means having pitch, uh, receiving the information, analyzing all the financials, analyzing uh, uh, the market, the team, the technology. And, and we do something, as I mentioned, that we try to create proof of concept for each company with one of our LPs. So it's very common that we also connect the, at this stage, we connect the LPs with the, with the, with the founders to see if they can become clients or distributors or, I don't know, suppliers or something like that uh, uh, to, 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 you know, like sort of have the whole experience. Um, and that takes us like probably the majority of my time. And then the other 20%, I spend it with the companies in the portfolio. Uh, try to provide value to them, connecting with the LPs, uh, connecting with uh, someone that is very for me at everything, you know, like, Probably they want someone that is good at marketing. So we have an expert in marketing or at distribution, we have a one. So uh, since I'm not good at anything but finance, I had to connect them with some someone that is better for me at everything else, um, recruiting and so forth. So so that's what we do. Um, I probably spend that extra 5% of my time. I don't know, just like put it from everywhere you like uh, in fundraising because we're still fundraising for the last part of the fund. We're missing $2 million. So, so uh, we're still fundraising for that. But it's, uh, my partner, Jan Paul, is more focused on fundraising and LP relations. So that's his part of the time. And my partner, Marco, is focused on back office, you know, like tax matters, accounting, like everything that is boring. <laughs> So uh, uh, Marco does that, and um, my focus is on source, uh, sourcing, analysis, and portfolio management. So, so that's why I mostly do. What are you most excited about right now? Right now, um, I, I was about to write a tweet. For every time I I, I write a tweet, I end up delete, de deleting it. But uh, um, what I wrote is, is it me? Or does it feel like the ecosystem is more solid and collaborative than ever? That's that's what I'm excited about. That uh, in previous years, I didn't feel like the funds, the startups, the lawyers, the incubators, accelerators, universities. Uh, it, it felt like everybody were doing like, you know, their thing and not speaking out to each other. And then the big funds, you're like all the big names with more than a hundred million in assets under management. All like those guys were in another, you know, sport, like, you know, playing alone. And the smaller funds like ourselves were in a different scale. And I don't feel that anymore. I feel like we are now like more collaborative. Uh, everybody's like understanding their role in what they do, uh, speaking to each other. And, and, and that's what I'm excited about. Like, um, I think it is a very exciting uh, moment to be an entrepreneur and to be a, a, a venture capitalist. And my personal opinion is that it is really hard out there, but I don't think it is harder 
that it has always been for 90% of the founders. So uh, for that big chunk of 90% of the founders, like it's really the same that it has always been. And the funds are focusing more in what they can bring to the table now than before. Before they were focusing, you know, in their uh, resume, previous companies, how well-funded the company was. Did you have Sequoia in the cap table? Like, uh, are you a YC company? Right now, not really. Like they're focusing in product, profitability, traction, you know, back to basics. So that's what I like that like, Good founders, unrepresented founder, underestimated founders, but good executors, they can now compete with the ex Harvards and ex Stanfords of the world because of how it is going right now in LATAM. So I think I really think that's exciting. And uh I love being active at this part of the of the momentum. I know that not there, there are a lot of funds that are not active. They're currently fundraising. So we have a lot of luck. It is luck. <laughs> I cannot tell you anything different, but we, we had good luck that we fundraised last year when everybody was deploying. And now we're deploying and everybody's fundraising. And uh, it, it, it puts us on, a, I think I've really, I think it's an advantage to be active now really because you know like reasonable valuations uh very good founders with like many options and and i i, I really hope they have more options in the future um because you you i i'm sure you've seen the statistics but uh there are not many funds investing right now uh and, and the one thing that is missing in in latam I don't think it's more capital, it's more people deploying that capital. Or people uh, with, with an emphasis in people, you know, like, uh, because if you have all that capital in just one person, that, that doesn't work, that doesn't work. You need diversity, you need more, uh, you know, like women managers in, 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 in funds, you need more angel investors, you need more accelerators, you need, so you need more diversity in order to do that. Uh, but right now, what I'm feeling is that it's collaborative. And uh, like right now, if I want, you know, to meet an LP, I probably call another phone and, hey, do you know an LP from Colombia that I can approach? And they will tell me. And I will tell them for Mexican LPs and it's more collaborative. And in the past, it was like, no, this is my LP. <laughs> Get away. <laughs> and and uh, so it, it is changing quite fast. And I think it's exciting. I think it is certainly exciting. Okay, so finally, I've, I'm going to ask the last question. Peter Thiel's famous contrarian question with uniquely Simia VC twist. What important truth about Latin America do very few people agree with you on? Um, that's a good question. Um, I think what I found that... Uh, I tend to be a disruptor in some panels when I say this, <laughs> uh, but I think I'm not alone in in this in this uh, uh, in this mindset. And and again, I don't know if it is completely true, but for me, I think it is true. Is that um, it has never been 
a better time now to be a founder. Uh, and I think a lot of people disagree because there is no capital out there. But I think right now is a great opportunity to create business models that actually people want and they pay for it. And not only business models that are sustainable, only with VC funding. And I think it is a great time to prove the quality of the founders or the people. Like if I were a founder, I this would be a great timing to prove my value as a founder and not only my value as a fundraiser. And uh, I, 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 I truly believe that for those people that are able to understand the need of their customers, there is, hasn't been a, like a better timing to be an entrepreneur than now. With everything that is going on, markets are going to change a lot. Uh, a lot of like weird competitors are going to die uh, or, 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 you know, like in operations uh, because basically because their business models are not viable. So, so it's a good opportunity if you uh, are resilient to prove your value now. And uh, that's something that, that I believe. And um, I know it's easy to say it in my, like with my position of privilege where I already fundraised uh, last year, uh, but I, I've seen a lot of founders, uh, it, it, like we see 30 to 40 founders per week. And wow, like, Every every week it gets more exciting, like a really really passionate founders executing and not only looking for the you know the lights and the show and the recognition and an article in Forbes. No, they are actually building for their customers. They are actually building for their teams, for their stakeholders. So um, yeah, I love that and. Uh, that's that's what I think uh, it is it is true now. Yeah. <laughs> Alejandro, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the CMVC podcast today. I very much appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you, Trip. Have a good one. Thank you for watching this episode of Samia VC. Make sure to like and subscribe wherever you view the podcast. Follow me on Twitter at Gorman Trip. And be sure to check out our newsletter, DealFlow LA, which can be found by going to dealflow.la.